We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's happening packers fans and nfl fans welcome to another edition of the pack a day podcast draft edition we are a few days into it and it is now time to get to the offensive side of the ball a little bit more of course, I am your host, Matt Freilich. Alongside me, my newest friend on Pack-A-Day podcast, Eli Berkovitz. Eli, how the hell is your weekend going, my dude? My weekend is going great. Just uh, had the chance to just pound a bunch of draft film. Uh, hope to be putting out a couple articles this week for Packer Report. So look out for those. And just excited to talk more uh, draft football. I, this is my probably my favorite part of the year. So I'm just really enjoying it. Hell yeah. And you can obviously find all of Eli's breakdowns on his Twitter page. That's where everyone uh, puts out content these days at book of Eli underscore NFL. Uh, you say it's like it's you're, you're passionate about the draft. I actually think it's like challenges me a little bit. I, I observed the college football from, you know, August through the last, you know, the national championship game or the last bowl game, wherever. And then it's like, OK, let's see if any of these guys actually translate into the combine, translate into being projected and kind of just condense all of your I guess knowledge and try to whittle it down and figure out any scenario possible and try to even I mean get 50% of the first round picks right something like that but we're also joined by I guess I guess Eli dude that's been in the bullpen right like this is his stuff like draft day draft weekends draft like leading up to it, everything mock draft uh we got our buddy Rob Rieger Rob how's it going man and we appreciate you coming on and spilling some more knowledge with the draft Oh, th- and thanks a lot, man. I mean, this this is my time of the year. You know, it's uh, I've been doing this for a long time, man, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun for me. I love projection, uh, and I, this is my third year on this show, so um, I'm kind of like the hired gun for draft season. So it's it's I'm very honored to be uh, part of the show, and uh, I look forward to uh, this month and next month working with you guys. Into leaning more of the, uh, I guess, the baseball puns. It is baseball season for me here. I'm coaching some baseball. You're like the Mariano Rivera, right? You come out maybe just like end of the season, got that super nasty cutter. And you mentioned to us maybe last week even, like this isn't your third mock draft or your third draft season or fourth draft season you've been covering. You've been covering it for how many years now? 
Yeah, I did my first mock draft in the for the '92 draft, and uh, it, it was crazy. That was the year that uh, Terrell Buckley actually went. Uh, I was hoping for Troy Vincent uh, out of Wisconsin to the Packers, but they went with T. Buck instead. So that was my first mock draft uh, before probably a lot of you guys were even born. So um, doing this for a long time, it's a lot of fun, and uh, you know I love it. Every single year, it's almost like Christmas. You're unwrapping new presents, uh, new players. You get to you know really fall in love and get your draft crushes and the guys that you love the guys that maybe you don't and try to predict uh, sleepers bus all that stuff so um, I'm really excited about it hell yeah absolutely so as we get into it like I said three receivers here we, we have obviously super important position for the Packers to address this year some would say they haven't addressed it for many many years since they drafted that trifecta with Jamon Moore Equinemius St. Brown and Marcus Valdez Scantling who are all now officially off the team once we got into this free agency period in this offseason right now Gentlemen, we have three dudes to get to. Chris Olave from Ohio State, the 6'1 senior, um, had a really damn good year. He's now the all-time leading receiver of uh, touchdowns in Ohio State history at 35, so that's pretty impressive. Pretty good pedigree there. We also have Jamison Williams, obviously, as many know, uh, stud Alabama receiver. I was going back through over this weekend and just statistically, like, ranking up there in top 10 in so many statistics throughout the college football, try to sprinkle some those facts in there as we're getting um through this episode obviously notably in the national championship game against georgia uh tears his acl and then finally Traylon burks who uh uh eli isn't from oklahoma or oklahoma state he's actually from arkansas still still been down in arkansas for for many many years um a little bit bigger body dude some uh maybe a little bit off the wall guy we'll get to here but we'll start with rob since he is our guest eli rob we're gonna start with chris olave sticking the big 10 um, I personally, I've seen him being mocked to the Packers more and more. Um, it seems like not only with the receiver position, but overall, it, it seems like he is the number one pick for many people to project at that 22nd overall pick. Um, may have to dra- trade up to get him. They may could trade back. They could use that later on pick too. Obviously, that they have at uh, 28, that is their pick. Obviously, 22nd being the Raiders pick from the Devontae Adams blockbuster trade. But Rob, your initial reaction to the senior out of uh, Ohio State? Matt, I think he's a fantastic, um, he projects as a fantastic prospect. He's one of those guys that's silky smooth out of breaks. He's a great route runner, uh, reliable hands. He'd be the type of guy that Aaron Rodgers would be able to trust very early on in his career. I know sometimes it takes a lot of, it takes receivers a couple of years to kind of get, uh, you know, involved in the offense and, and to gain that trust from a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But at Ohio State, he's a guy that uh, he always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, he, like I said, reliable hands. Uh, he's great. He's always in the right spot. He always seems to be open. And what was kind of a surprising, and, and he's also a three-year starter at Ohio State. Uh, a lot of people don't know that he actually played ahead of Jamison Williams. So we're, we'll go over him in a minute, but he actually played ahead of him for two years and, you know, 35 career touchdowns, 175 catches, 2,700 yards. He blazed with a 439-40. So he's one of those rock solid prospects. He may not wow you with any particular skill, but he's good at everything. And I mean, really good at everything. And he could be kind of that guy that, um, can sort, sort of be that security blanket underneath if they need it or, you know, take the top off the defense with his speed. So, um, you know, I really love him as a prospect. I'm not sure if he'll be there at, at 22. We may have to move up. But if we come out of the first round with Chris Olave, I think that everyone will be very happy. 
I wouldn't be disappointed with him either. I mean, uh, one of the two picks there, maybe they trade up to get him, like you said. Um, he might not be there at 22. This, uh, I would say this draft class is pretty heavy with wide receivers. There's more that are coming to the light than maybe I overlooked throughout the uh, college football season. But, Eli, anything that Rob's saying that you completely disagree with or absolutely just smash your, like, this is right on brand. Obviously, Chris Olave, like we said, three-year starter, Rob mentioned. Uh, great route runner, one of the best route runners in college football and a super, super solid deep threat coming out of the 2022 class from the Buckeyes. Yeah, definitely nothing I would immediately disagree with. I am a huge fan of Olave. If the Packers were able to get him at 22, I would be thrilled. But as you kind of mentioned, I don't see him lasting until 22. I think if they're going to get him, they're probably going to have to trade up to do so. And that's something I would do. Obviously, I think it depends on the price. But I think having those two fourth-round picks that they have now, I think they could package the 22nd pick and a fourth-round pick and potentially move up. You know, you're not going to get into the top 10. But you could get in the 16 to 19 range, you know, before you get to the 20s where you can probably go and grab him. And like Rob said, I think he would be, if not the most like pro ready receiver, the second or third at worst where he could come in. And I know everyone wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers, trusting receiver, not trusting receiver. He is someone that Rodgers will gain trust with early on. And also in Matt LaFleur's system, trust is not as needed. I mean, you always need trust, but it's not like the Mike McCarthy offense where it's like you're going to have to go and win a bunch of contested catches. Guys get schemed open. Olave would have no problem having success on the fourth offense. And then also with the ball in his hands, I think he's just dynamic and can do a lot of great things with bubble screens, jet sweeps, all that kind of stuff. So I'm a huge fan of Olave. And as you mentioned, he managed to beat out Jamison Williams for multiple years at Ohio State, and the numbers weren't all that close. Olave was the clear leader of the receiving group while they were both on the same team. So, yeah, I love Olave, and I would love to see the Packers do just about anything they can to get him. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point that you bring up, too. Like, It's been helpful in the Matt LaFleur offense and the Nathaniel Hackett offense to – you know, have some of that consistency or that chemistry, but it wasn't as nece- it hasn't been as necessary like in the Mike McCarthy area. Uh, one thing too with Chris Olave, obviously six foot six one, about a buck eighty seven, buck ninety, depending where you're looking. Um, you mentioned like Eli, it's they have that. It's not as necessary to do that, but what we've noticed over the last couple of years is there is a threshold when it comes to athleticism that Goody. Uh, Russ Ball, everyone involved getting players likes to have uh, his RAS score from Crystal Ivey, 8.65. Like that is right on par to where they need to be. I don't think I, I want to say there was a couple years ago, maybe the draft there were leading up to this was there was like the RAS of like 8.7, 8.6, 8.5, something around that range. That was like the threshold that they had been hitting on. And it's it's pretty much been consistent. There's been a few outliers here and there. Um but one thing, Rob, I want to ask you a little bit. We didn't, we didn't get to this over the weekend and kind of the DMs, though, is do you think Chris Olave fits in the offense? Eli thinks so. I mean, he, he's had 35 rushing attempts or uh, excuse me, not 35. He's he's had some rushing opportunities, I should say. He hasn't had many attempts in college, but he definitely can be versatile. Um, huge with the ball in hand. He's a touchdown machine. 65 catches last year. 13 of those catches resulted in the end zone. But do you think he translate well into this um, Matt LaFleur offense? 
I really do. I think that he can. He's one of those versatility guys that can play in the slot, that they can play outside if they need him. They can move him around into a bunch of different places. At Ohio State, he was being utilized in, in all kinds of different. Sometimes he was in the slot. Actually, he spent a lot of time in the slot. Uh, he could fit right into that LaFleur offense. The other thing about it is from a timing standpoint, he is always in the right place at the right time. If you if you watch if you're watching the film and he's really good at double moves, it's one thing that you know I think in my opinion what separates Devontae Adams from, um, you know obviously you know R.I.P. on the Packers with him, but you know it's it's one of those things where you know you, you watch him and he he can do those double moves. He kind of leads the defense on and then goes the other way and and he's just a savvy route runner. It's not just um, it's not just the quick feet, but it's the savviness of it. He knows how to set up the defense and move to the other direction. So he's not really a guy that needs to be schemed open that he can actually create separation on his own. Um, a lot of times at Ohio State, the D-backs that they're playing against weren't great, um, which can be a knock, and I've heard that said about him as a knock. But but the bottom line is uh, this guy played in a ton of big games. This guy was playing in the playoffs. He was playing in the national championship game, uh, and he was producing in all those. And he had top draft picks guarding him, and he was still able to produce. So um, he was one of those guys that kind of steps up. Uh, he's not the guy that you, you know, with the, with the headlines, Garrett Wilson probably gets some mo more headlines out of the two Ohio State receivers. But to me, um, actually, I'll, I'll give a, an analogy. Remember that song by Taylor Swift um, back in the day? Uh, I don't know if you guys are Swifties. Eli but, um, for sure is. Eli's got to be a Swiftie. Yeah. You you belong. Remember that song? You belong to. Yeah. You belong oh, yeah. with me. Where you know yeah. I wear, uh, she wears high heels. I wear sneakers. Type of thing. Um, I look at Chris Olave kind of as like the the good the good girl Taylor Swift. You know, that's always doing the right thing. Always, and whereas Garrett Wilson's more the flashy, you know, type of thing. So that that's my analogy for the for the day, guys. Uh, feel free to shoot me after the, <laughs> after, the after the episode. But uh, I, no, I appreciate you. I don't want to. I mean, shoehorned in a Taylor Swift friend reference. We'll just say it was great that you brought it to the table. I don't I don't disagree with it. I think it's a it's a good comp. Um, Eli, you obviously agree. Good, he would be solid in the offense. Um, and your favorite Taylor Swift song, perhaps? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My favorite Taylor Swift song. I don't know. It might be that first one because I don't know much of her music after that, but I do okay. remember that first song she made. Um, when it was she did country music, and then yeah. she switched, and I don't really listen much to the radio, so I kind of lost it all. <laughs> but <laughs> didn't think I was going that way uh, in that direction. But that's what I was thinking about. I said, you know, Chris Olave is just—he's a, a steady person. He's always in, doing the right thing. He's always in the right place at the right time. Very reliable. Yeah. He'd be a great guy for the Packers' offense. He really would. 
And it sounds like now just consensus across the board, Eli and Rob, Eli, we'll start with you. You would want to see uh, Chris Olave, if possible, in green and gold? Absolutely, no doubt. Rob, it sounds like yeah. you have the same sentiment. Yeah, me too, man. If, if he's available at 22, I'd, I'd grab him in a heartbeat. I'd run to that podium and, and uh, you know, and, and plug him in. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Obviously, super, super productive in Ohio State. Um, for me, I would, I wouldn't mind him being selected by the Packers. It could be even the first round, but they still need to, for my taste, still add another receiver down the road. And maybe the next guy that we're going to talk about is part of that plan. And that being Jamison Williams, obviously six two, hundred and ninety pound junior out of Alabama was in some prolific offenses when he was down, um, down in Bama, obviously most recently with Bill O'Brien, who's offensive coordinator down there now is back with the new England Patriots up in Foxborough, but he was a dude that just, just lit it up. I mean, he was all over the field. I mentioned as at the top of the show, I wanted to go back and look at some statistics. Normally with college football, there's so many guys in the offensive positions or any statistical category. You're like, this guy was really productive. Let's say like, even like a Chris Olave had 13 touchdowns on the year, but that, I mean, that led the big 10, but that wasn't the tops in the country where Jamison Williams, he was, Tied third in the country with 15 touchdowns, seventh in yards per catch, fifth most receiving yards in college football, and just a little caveat on top, had the second longest receiving touchdown on the year, which doesn't really mean all that much, but you bust a 90-plus yard, you're going to get my attention even more so. Um, and still was very productive when he had John Metchie third on his team. So Jameis Williams, obviously the biggest question mark is, how's that knee? He tears it in the national championship game against Georgia. For my take, the when he went down, that kind of – put the I guess I want to say the dagger in the Alabama Crimson Tide but eventually it was delayed and for sure happened when Georgia was able to take over that game more but here's a kid Jameson Williams absolutely dynamite coming out of that incredible offense down in Alabama the pedigree down there is insane even the last five years are starters in the league that are playing the receiver position um Eli we'll start with you are there any question marks besides that knee with Jamison Williams that would even make you leery about him being traded up for going above the 22nd pick or even into the top 10 top 15 if you really really think he's your guy even though that injury could set him back for you know let's say six seven eight games outside of the knee I don't know if there's anything that overly concerns me about his actual game uh we were speaking a bit last week about it and I, I would say he maybe isn't the greatest route runner in the world, but with the speed that he has, I don't really think he needs to be. He simply can create separation just by running past people, and there's really no way of stopping it. And for me, the thing that most stood out on tape when watching him was when he actually already had the ball in his hands because his acceleration and burst, when he just puts his head down and starts going, it, it honestly reminds me of, of Tyreek Hill in a way where no, no, it doesn't matter where the defense is, what angle they have on him. He is going to beat them to the sideline, get around them, and he's gone. And I kind of, you know, people always like to talk about MVS's ability to take the top off his defense and his straight line speed, but he never really had that horizontal sideline to sideline speed. I think Williams has both the vertical and the sideline to sideline where you give him a bubble screen, he can make a couple moves in short areas, and then he's gone 80 yards. And he could also run past you, you know, for 70 yards and you drop the ball in 40 yards down the field and no one's going to catch him. So the knee, it is scary. Like for a team that is especially in win now mode, you really have to feel confident that he's going to be able to come in and play, let's say, at least minimum four or five games before the playoffs. So, you know, you have someone that you can rely on come playoff time. But, you know, with 
his age with with my you know technology modern medicine getting more and more like i do think he will have the ability to come back and play this season and not just towards the end of the year so would i trade up an ex, an extreme amount for him i don't know but if he were to fall to 22 i don't know how you pass on him um and is there any scenario eli where i let's just say what is your prediction as far as him coming back from the injury obviously it seems like guys especially younger guys they can rehab so much they have you know obviously in a college guy you had a shorter season too than the wear and tear of an an nfl you know five-year pro vet when do you expect if you had a guess that we would see james williams contributing on the field if he were selected by the green bay packers would you say you know october november earlier later than that like what what are your thoughts as far as um the co-sec special teams player of the year last year where do you think when do you think he's able to come back i mean i know that i saw reports that he's pushing for training camp i'm sure that's being very optimistic i do not expect that he would be able to play week one but i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that by mid-season you know week seven through ten he could be out there and then you could have him for a solid six seven games before the playoffs and really get him acclimated to the offense. And just because he's not on the field doesn't mean he won't be able to work with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I saw the reports, you know, he plans on starting to run by the draft, by draft time. So by, by training camp and then the preseason and then throughout just practices earlier on in the year, he might not be in games, but I'm sure if he's picked by the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is going to take every chance he has to throw him the football and get on the same page for what he does get on the field. Still sticking with Jamison Williams, a 6'2 junior out of Alabama. Uh, almost averaged 20 yards a catch last year, had 15 touchdowns. Rob, like, I mean, Eli's throwing out the Tyreek Hill comparison. If he's even a, a, a speckle of that, uh, I, I would be ecstatic. Definitely, like Eli even mentioned, straight line runner like MVS, but it can go lateral, can go across the middle. What sticks out for you from Jamison Williams' play that maybe you, you would pick him over Chris Olave, who we already mentioned? I, I really I call this guy the angle obliterator. He's one of those guys that when a defense has the angle and they think they have it, the safeties, the corners, he blows right by them. If you guys haven't checked it out, or you know, you people at home, uh, he had a touchdown against Georgia against really fast like five star players, you know, like pro- probable NFL players, and he catches that ball over the middle and he just takes off and hits another gear and he was gone. and And it's one of those things that excites people about him is not only like Eli had mentioned the ability to go deep, but he can go over the middle and take it to the house. He can take a receiver screen and take it to the house. And the other thing that really stands out about him to me is that it seemed like he had his best games against some of his, the top competition that they went against. Uh, For example, the SEC championship game, seven against Georgia, uh, number one defense in the national champion, seven catches, 184, two touchdowns. Uh, look at Texas A&M, the game that they actually lost. He had 10 catches, 146, two touchdowns. Against LSU, who's known for their defensive backs, 10 catches, 160. So this guy's not only producing against like the Mercers of the world, like he's actually saving his best performances for the top corners that are, and they can't guard him either. So he blows right by these guys. He's one of those guys that he seems so fast against other fast people. Because there's guys that look fast against slow guys, and they blow right by them. But this guy's, you know, you're talking about guys that are really fast defensive backs from some of the top universities in the country, NFL players. And he makes them look like they're walking and running in quicksand because he gets by them so quickly. So as far as that's concerned, um, you know, they throw out the Tyreek Hill. I think he's more of a Deshaun Jackson to me, a younger Deshaun Jackson, d that sometimes when he would just get the ball, 
man, he would take off. He'd find a different gear. He'd be in third gear thinking that he's going fast, and then he'd find that fourth and fifth gear, and then he'd just take it right to the house. So as far as a prospect goes, he's not as consistent as Olave, and I mentioned earlier that he actually played behind Olave for two years, and I think that might have had a little bit to do with the fact that he's not a great route runner. I know that Ohio State kind of prides itself on that as far as like being in the right place at the right time. He's more of a natural talent that can be developed. But from an NFL standpoint, I mean, it's, the NFL is a star league and he is a star in the making. The two concerns is the fact that he sat the bench for two years at Ohio state, which, you know, whatever, some guys need to change the scenery. It, it happens. And then the second thing is obviously the ACL, but from all indications, he's a young kid. He was healthy before that. He's not injury prone. He just ran into that, um, issue in the national championship game. So I figured that, you know, by the, you know, even if it's September, October, you take a chance on that guy. Cause he can be that difference maker in the playoffs. hundred percent. And I love the fact that you say that Deshaun Jackson only cause he is, was a great offensive player, but great returner, obviously in his earlier years, uh, most notably, obviously the, the Eagles giants game, um, where he returned that punt, which was incredible. Um, and for the angle buster, as Rob is calling him, uh, you can't teach speed, but you can definitely teach route running and get him into the league, get him working with the receiver coach, offensive coordinator, let him work with a veteran, um, whether that be on the Packers possibly or elsewhere on another 31 other teams. Um, he's going to translate well. And I think ultimately, Rob, we'll start with you just to kind of bring it back here. Jamison Williams, uh, maybe Chris Olave is a little bit more polished as far as the receiving attributes go for, you know, possession receiver that'd be going in the middle. But I imagine a guy like this, you can, Jamison Williams, you can plug into an offense and it's going to work. And I don't see any issues unless you do with uh, the Green Bay Packers offense. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think that he's, you know, if you, Matt LaFleur has recently said that they're looking for some guys that can really take the top off the defense deep. And that's something that they had an MVS a little bit, but, you know, he was pretty inconsistent. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of him. I, I wasn't too upset when he went to Kansas City because I thought that maybe we could find somebody better. And, and when I saw that contract, I think, well, you know, maybe we, for sure we can do better than that. Um, just a straight deep threat. But with Williams, I think that he has a lot more versatility, that he can take a ball over the middle and take it to the house. He can take a bubble screen, take it to the house. He can run a reverse. Uh, so there's certain things that he can do that I just feel, like you had mentioned earlier, with the speed factor, you can't really teach that. And I don't know what his 40 time is. He obviously didn't run it. But, I mean, mm -hmm. he just looks like he's moving faster than anybody else on the field. And that's, I don't see that changing in the NFL at all. As they say, he's so fast, he makes fast people look not fast. Uh, Eli, <laughs> Eli, do you have a preference here? Um, I didn't really ask Rob the question, but would you have a preference between Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, or whether or not, even if they were to trade up for one, would you feel better or worse about them trading up for a guy, or does it really not matter for the either of these two? It, it's tough because I feel like the upside of Williams is so like enticing where it's like if he goes out there assuming he can stay healthy – and then he does what he did, did in college. Like we could be talking about one of the best receivers in the NFL and one of the most electric players who just game changing in one play can do something that most players in the NFL can't do. But then there is the part of me that's like, all right, the Packers need to win right now. The knee is a concern. Olave, we know, can come out and from week one is going to be there. But I do think if there's a world where somehow they're both on the board at 22, because we do have the picks we have at 28, at 53 and 59, I believe it is. Um, I, I think I would take the risk with Williams just saying, you know what? He might not be ready week one, but we can go and grab another talented guy in the second round 
you know, with one of those two picks, even in the third round, potentially that could contribute. Uh, so for me, it's a bit riskier, but I think Williams could be the guy that completely blows open this offense. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, it comes down to down to the upside and, and the explosiveness of it. It's something that our, our offense has basically lacked. And, you know, on the Packers offense. So so to me, Williams is a guy that can can be a, a true difference maker um, in, in a playoff game in, in a potential Super Bowl in, in those big games late in the season. And he can be that guy that'll break it open for, a you know, an 80, 70, 80 yard touchdown, whereas Olave is more of the, you know, it's third and five. You get six, maybe a six yard, you know, out or, or what have you, which is great. We need that for sure. But when you look at, you know, going forward and wanting to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you got to take a chance on a guy like Jamison Williams because he's just too talented. Yeah, real quick, when I was when I was watching, and just because Rob, what you said, it kind of reminded me of when I was watching. So I think it was last night. I feel like Olave, and I know Packer fans might not be happy with this person now, but at the time, I feel like he's kind of like a Greg Jennings, where he could go in the slot, go outside. Very, he's a good route runner, good hands. Won't necessarily have the. I mean, he has good speed, not Williams kind of speed, but good speed and just like that solid consistent receiver. But, and then you look at Jameson Williams and even if you want to go a bit further back than Tyreek Hill, maybe like a Steve Smith, he's obviously even a bit taller than Steve Smith, but Steve Smith ran in the four threes. We assume Williams would have ran at least in the four threes, maybe even the four twos. So that's kind of how I see it where Williams just has the upside of, of just being a complete game changer. So that's why I would take the risk with the knee. Yep, love it, love it. I mean, the one other thing too with Jamison Williams is uh, he had 11 catches, or excuse me, 11 touchdowns of 30 plus yards or more in 2021, and that's a great way to, I would say, improve from Marquez Valdez Scantling. Obviously, he was a, a huge home run threat capabilities, but I just feel like the raw talent that is Jamison Williams, injury or not, would still contribute heavily to this Packers offense. So, boys, we move down. Well, not down, rather, we move. Northwest, for all you Jagger friends, it's still in the SEC. Uh, we go to Arkansas. Traylon Burks, 6'3", 225-pound junior receiver. Um, super, super solid. Had 1,100 yards this past year, 11 touchdowns. A lot of what came out over the last couple of weeks from Traylon Burks is basically coupled with the fact that he ran a 4.55 at the Combine in a year that not only were overall 40 times extremely fast the receiver times were even faster and a four five five at this point in time isn't as great as it would have been 10 years ago rob is that speed a concern for you at all with Traylon burks and what are your thoughts on the prospect uh coming out of arkansas i know that a lot of people like him and, and i'll be honest with you matt i tried to like him so when i first sat down and started looking at his film i'm thinking okay so you know this would be a big body guy that that really could fit in with the packers I'm going to be 100% honest, and this may fly against, uh, you know, a lot of the prognosticators out there, but I'm not a big fan of this guy. Uh, what I see on tape is I see he has a lot of trouble winning routes. He's not slow. I don't think the 4.55 is slow. What's more of a concern to me is the 7.283 cone time, which kind of indicates his change of direction skill. He was in the 20th percentile of receivers on with the three cone uh, that's a really slow time so so not only is he not breakaway does it not have the breakaway speed but he also doesn't have the change of direction as well um it's just one of those things where I, you know you look at him 6225 you think okay well you know th that's good like I, you know we'd love to have a guy like that but 
know, even against um, mediocre corners, he was not winning off the ball. Uh, they have to basically scheme him open. It was the one thing that I really noticed. They run him out of the backfield a lot, trying to get him matched up with linebackers and safeties. They do a lot of uh, bubble screens with him as well, where they try to get the ball in his hands. Now, he's decent after the catch. Now, he has some positive traits for sure. He has really strong hands. He has great body control. He makes a lot of acrobatic catches. Uh, he can't go from the slot. He can run out of the backfield. So it, it's not like he's a terrible prospect, but I have him more as like a second rounder than a first rounder. Maybe a guy that 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 you can develop, maybe kind of that guy that can be maybe a third receiver on your team. But I don't know if you're going to sit there in the first round and take a guy like that. Um, the other thing I noticed is he has a yeah, propensity. I, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the one the one other thing about him, and I'll, I'll turn it back over, is that um, he has a propensity to push off a lot. Um, he'll he'll you know be going out for a pass or be guarded, and he'll have that little push off. He's had a couple long touchdowns where it looked to me like he had offensive pass interference. Uh, one was against Alabama, for sure, and um, he also uh, had a, I believe another one against Texas A and M, a long touchdown where he seemed to push the guy down right before the ball came, but they didn't call it, and he got a touchdown. So uh, sometimes those stats can be misleading. So. You know, I've been rambling a little bit about him, but I, I don't like him as much as probably a lot of other people do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think the thing with Traylon Burks is like, yep, he's a, a super athlete. I think he's played three sports in high school. Um, <clears throat> Great with the contested catches, but it's like, well, you're, if you, it's a contested catch in college because you're not fast enough, what the hell is that going to look like when you get to the NFL and you're going up against defensive backs that are, are similar size as you, faster than you? How is that going to look? And they're more physical at the line than an SEC, you know, run of the mill defensive back. Um, one thing with Traylon Burks, like Rob, you had mentioned the versatility. Obviously, out of the backfield, um, you know, I would say Chris Olave, the least versatile on the list. Jamison Williams obviously can contribute in the special teams game. Uh, Traylon Burks can contribute in those jet sweeps or even running the ball out of the backfield, kind of like the Debo Samuel um, style that's going on in San Francisco right now under Kyle Shanahan. Eli, your thoughts on Traylon, man? Like, is is the speed a concern to you? It sounds like it wasn't too much to Rob. I'm concerned by the speed because, I mean, granted, I think his straight line speed is fine, and he looked like he had good game speed when I watched some of his tape. But overall, like, if you're struggling to uh, to get open right now, uh, what's that going to look like when in an offense where Aaron Rodgers needs to have a spot where he can throw you the damn ball? And if you're blanketed, it's, it's tough to get you the ball. Yeah, it, it, it's strange because when, when you watch him play – I don't think you would have expected to see that 40 time because there are plays where he gets the ball, whether it's on a jet sweep or on one of those bubble screens that Rob mentioned, which he did get a lot of, where he could make some moves after the catch and then really go into that second gear and get past, you know, safeties, cornerbacks and get to the end zone. And for a guy his size, it was, I was a bit surprised by it. But then the more receivers I watched, the, I just found myself pushing a bit further and further down my list. And also, as we mentioned earlier, with, you know, the RAS scores and whether the Packers actually look at them or it's just a big coincidence that, you know, 75% of the players Goody has drafted have been over, I think it's an 8.7 RAS. He comes in at 5.77. So, like, he's completely, like, way below, you know, that threshold, which, again, doesn't necessarily mean he has to be ruled out. I do think, you know, RAS shouldn't be the end-all, be-all of what you're going to draft a guy. But Burks, like you said, he, he definitely did have trouble getting consistent separation in college. And you have concerns thinking in the NFL, well, if you can't do it in college, how is it going to look in the NFL? At the same time, 
I do think he has talent. I do like his versatility. Like for someone of his size and I guess not game-breaking speed, he still managed to do a lot with jet sweeps and bubble screens that, again, I don't think a lot of people would have expected from someone his size. But like Rob said, I mean, he's not someone I would want to see the Packers take at 22. I, I don't think at 28, I mean, I guess you would have to see how the board falls if there's a huge runner receiver and, and you know, maybe they get a little bit desperate and they just want to get someone they feel like who could become that guy. But I don't think he is as ready. I mean, for sure not like Olave or Willie or Williams. I don't think he would be as ready as Garrett Wilson. I like Jahan Dotson more than him. Um, you can even make the argument for Christian Watson. I don't maybe some people would, some people wouldn't, but it's Burks is someone that, you know, I, I don't see him making it to 53. So it's basically either taken with one of those first two picks, or you're not going to get him. But assuming the Packers take a different receiver with one of those two picks, I'm not going to lose sleep over not getting him. But I would say that regardless of who they take in the first round, if he managed somehow to fall to 53, I would take a shot at him because I do think at that value, at least it would be a pretty good pick. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment because, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, once you get to 53 mid second round, that's about the grade that I have on him. Uh, the comp that I gave him and um, I, I, it actually adds up really well. And uh, I think he's just like JJ Arcega Whiteside out of Stanford. They have almost the identical RAS score. Mm-hmm. They're both 6'2. They're both 225. They both had significant contested catches. But what you see with Arcega Whiteside now that he's in the NFL is that the same problems that plagued him in college are that he can't separate from defense. He's not a great route runner. Uh, he's not very sudden in and out of breaks. And, and it's the same thing that I see on tape with Traylon Burks. It's almost identical when you watch these two guys. And, you know, even down to the 40 times. I mean, Arcega Whiteside ran a 4-5-5 uh, coming out. Um, he had a 6-1 six, six Raz. And, you know, so, so, I mean, you see a lot of these similarities and you see that they – haven't been successful. And I think Eli, you mentioned earlier, like guys that don't separate in college, or maybe you did Matt, guys that cannot separate in college, they they're not gonna they're not gonna get open in the pros. Like, like when the guys are bigger, stronger, and faster. So it's a huge concern of mine. Um, I think that they do a lot of gimmicks to get on the ball. But you know, on the bright side, he was by far their best player. He was their biggest playmaker last year. They passed him the ball a lot. He had good stats. Um a lot of uh you know, really acrobatic catches where, you know, he'd be guarded and he'd come up with balls that you didn't think he had a chance on. So, you know, Eli, you're, you pegged that perfectly. If he's at, there at 53, I'm taking him, but I'm not taking him before that in the first round. Yeah. I mean, 53, I'm, I'm head over heels with, if we can get him, I think we all can agree on that. Um, obviously in the first round, probably a little bit too, too rich for what they could have him at. And especially if you're trying to add a couple receivers in this draft, which I think they need to do because they haven't prioritized it yet in free agency, fingers crossed. Um, it would be a smash, but if he is, uh, our Sega white side, Rob and Eli, um, I don't care if they get him at 73, 93, 123, 153. Like it doesn't matter to me. Like it's just not yeah. a guy that I want on the roster. Um, but obviously can handle the workload. The two other guys we already mentioned have teammates that are going to go drafted in this class at the receiver position, probably in the top three, four rounds at minimum, um, where really Traylon Burks was the dude there had to take the ball to the backfield, run over the middle, go deep and go up with his contested catches. So ultimately I'm, I'm probably a little bit lower on him. Um, one thing with tomorrow's show, which the way it worked out scheduling wise is fantastic. We um, it's going to be Jake and Russ 
uh, excuse me, Ross, not Ross. Uh, they're going to do the other receivers, Drake, Jake London, Christian Watson out of North, uh, North Dakota State, who Eli already mentioned, and George Pickens, a stud out of Georgia. Um, we'll stick with the three that we have, gentlemen. Is I'm going to start with you, Eli. Is there any of these three guys? You know, we'll just stick with the picks that they currently have, even the top 100, right? We have 22, 28, 53, 59, and 92. Any of those guys that you would want to match up with those uh, overall picks and say this is this is who you'd like to take home and with that selection? Of the three we discussed today? Correct. Uh, I mean, yeah, look, again, if Olave or Williams were there at 22, I'm taking them. If, you know, somehow, let's say, if teams really are scared of Williams' knee, I mean, I can't imagine a world where it happens, but if they were to take Olave at 22 and teams were still afraid of Williams' knee at 28, i say double down. You have, you're you going to have two second-round picks. You have a third-round pick, two fourth-round picks. You can get an edge rusher. You could get a tackle. You could get a defensive lineman in those rounds that can go out there and play. But, yeah, I mean, for me, like I said, it's those two guys, no question about it, at 22 with Olave and Williams and Burks I look at as more of a second-round kind of prospect. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's, a, that's, a, yeah, that's a great point, Eli. You know, the other thing I can say is that, you know, people don't understand – that a couple of years ago when we drafted Jordan Love, the Packers were actively trying to trade up to get Justin Jefferson, and they're actively trading up to even try to get a Brandon Ayuk, and both of them got taken right before. So Jordan Love wasn't our original guy that we're going after in that position, and they've uh, Gutekunst has already uh, acknowledged that, and, and same with Matt LaFleur. Um, I don't want us to reach for a receiver. I think that's a big thing for me. Uh, I think that if the if Olave and Jamison Williams are available, that you take them at 22. But if they're not, I don't want the Packers to do a panic pick and pick a receiver just for the sake of picking a receiver. And maybe because the receiver class is so deep in this draft that maybe it would be better to pick a defensive lineman, pick an edge rusher, pick an offensive tackle, or maybe even interior offensive lineman with that 22 and then maybe go with a Christian Watson or somebody like that with 28 and then come back with 53. There's a plenty of guys out there. There's Alex, Alec Pierce. There's, there's all kinds of, we're going to cover the draft, Sky Moore, George Pickens, Jalen Tolbert. I mean, there's all kinds of receivers this year that I think fall into kind of that second and third tier that I don't want the Packers to reach. Jahan Dotz is another guy that I, I really like a lot, maybe at 28, but not 22. So, you know, the, you know, I, I know I kind of, didn't follow your rule by sticking to the three, but I think that if they're there, we take them, but I don't want us to do a panic pick and maybe even trade up if we have to, to, to secure one of those guys. Cause I think they truly are game breakers and they can be difference makers on the team. I don't disagree with you. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just say, if both of those guys were gone at 22, is there another receiver in this class that you would say that you would be confident with at 22? Yeah, well, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson for sure. He's going to be my top-rated guy. Uh, okay. Lon- London, maybe. Um, I like London a lot. I Probably at 22, I'd like London. Um, I think that those would be the only four guys that I feel is 22-worthy. Uh, and then, you know, there's a, there's that next set of guys. There's, you know, and, and I know that, you know, you really like Jahan Dotson, and so do I, uh, that maybe at 28 we might be able to stick there and then maybe grab another guy at 53 and 59. But yeah, those are those are the four I think between Wilson and Jamison Williams and Olave and Drake London that I'd probably take it twenty two. Anybody else, I'm 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 going somewhere else with with my picks. 
Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, any of those receivers that we've mentioned, I think we got six or seven that we mentioned too, and breaking the rules is totally uh, fine, especially during draft <laughs> season, Rob, when you're bringing yeah. almost 30 plus years of knowledge to it. So I'll allow it for now. Um, <laughs> Thank you. But ultimately, I, like you said, I think I couldn't hit on it more. Don't panic. Um, if there's a guy that you like and there's a position you like, whether it's outside of receiver and it's a offense alignment or an edge rusher or whoever, I think it's just, Ultimately, like, hope they can contribute right away. Um, and, I mean, more than likely, uh, over the past couple of years, I wake up on, what is it, Friday morning or whenever the hell the first round usually is, and I'm just just confused. I usually am like, why did we do that? It's been the last couple of years, and it's probably over the last decade, probably 80% of the time. So I'm sure it won't be any, any um, I guess, anything new for me this year waking up on that Friday morning. But ultimately, dudes, we're going to get a ton more draft coverage. Obviously, we go for another six weeks, five weeks, I think it is. Um, then we'll get back to the regular schedule programming. But we get to actually do, um, on Saturday, get some dudes in the trenches, got some offensive linemen in there, which is going to be a blast. I think that could, they can contribute right away. Um, something that the Packers not necessarily – ultimately need but it's great to have that depth there and they went into last year's training camp with that same depth but uh, make sure you're following Packaday podcast on twitter um, because one thing with going on right now like we mentioned at the top of the show rob rieger and a bunch of other people are joining us on Packaday podcast and make sure you can follow them that way on twitter of course rob where can everyone get in contact with you on twitter and where you do all of your draft work yeah, so uh, thanks, man. So NFL Draft, it's at NFL Draft Regs, R-E-G-S, is where I can be found on Twitter. I also am going to be appearing on 97.3 The Game, the Drew and KB show. They bring me in as kind of a hired gun for the for draft season, so I'm going to start that up with a couple weeks. And I also write for the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. I cover a small school or non-Power 5 sleepers, and I also do quarterbacks for them. So um, pre-sale is right now, $12.99. It's a great investment. It's a Packer-geared draft guide, but it really covers everything. It covers all the teams and, and so on and so forth. And that's going to drop in a couple days. So get it now with pre-sale Cheesehead TV draft guide. Um, make sure you listen to Packaday Podcast everywhere where you can get your podcasts. Obviously, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you can listen. I think there's too many to name at this point. And if you haven't already subscribed, you're screwing up. Obviously, as well on YouTube, Packaday Podcast. Andy's been almost two years running with the daily Packer uh, shows, I guess, for Packaday Podcast. Subscribe there and go into the comments and say how slimming he looks after losing 25 pounds uh, doing just, I guess, cheese lean cuisine pizzas which is incredible eli i already plugged your twitter but where you can go ahead and do it again where people can get in contact with you and get all your content especially on the youtube side yeah so as you said earlier you could find me my me on twitter and basically all my work at book of eli underscore nfl that's for twitter and as i mentioned a bit earlier i'll be doing write-up profiles on plenty of prospects that make sense for the packers in early rounds for packreport.com and I just uploaded so far all the film that I have for the draft to my YouTube page under Eli Berkovitz, where I'll continue to be updating that over the next, you know, three, four weeks up until the draft. So keep an eye out for that. And then, uh, you know, check out Open Book on Thursday nights with me, Janelle Mackey and Zach Jacobson, where we'll be covering the draft and, you know, getting you all the news you need to know before this big draft of the Packers. Hell yeah. We we thank you guys for starting your Monday with us on the Packaday Podcast. Listen to the breakdown of Chris Alave, Jamison Williams, and Traylon Burks. For Eli Berkovitz, Rob Rieger, I am at Freilich. You guys stay safe, stay well. 
hit us in the DMs or hit us in the mentions of this tweet of the podcast to let us know if there's any of the three receivers you like or if you're waiting on Tuesday to get a better breakdown from Jake and Ross on those three receivers we already mentioned. Um, but as always, as we finish every, every episode, Rob and Eli, go Pack Go! go. Pack go.